Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm privileged to welcome a very, very accomplished social entrepreneur from Bangalore, India, Mr. Vishal Talreja. Vishal, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ashutosh. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. Uh, Vishal is the co-founder and trustee of Dreamer Dream, which is a registered charitable trust empowering children and young people from vulnerable backgrounds to overcome adversity and flourish in the 21st century using a cre- using creative life skills approach. He's also a social entrepreneur, an educator, and a poet. Vishal is an Ashoka Fellow and an Eisenhower Fellow, and he's been recognized, felicitated, and awarded several times. So Vishal, let's talk about Dreamer Dream. What motivated you to focus specifically on empowering children and young people from vulnerable backgrounds? Yeah, thanks, Ajitosh. That's a great question to start with. Uh, I was born and brought up in Bangalore, uh, to typical middle-class uh, family, uh, and I had no intention of actually moving into the social sector, working with kids. Uh, mm. I was all set to work in the corporate sector, become an investment banker. Uh, when I finished uh, college, I got a chance to go to Finland on an exchange program for a few months. Mm-hmm. And that was, I was the first kid in the family to travel abroad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got an opportunity to see the world from a different lens. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, experience uh, the idea of dignity of labor mm-hmm. uh, and how every human being can be treated with respect, uh, irrespective of the work they do and the backgrounds they come from. Correct. And I wanted to bring that idea back to India. So I came back and got together with a bunch of friends uh, and said, let's do something on weekends. Uh, None of us came from a social sector background. uh, So we found a mentor who said, you know, why don't you start working with kids? Uh, So we found a shelter home for HIV positive children and uh, started working also with a group of cancer affected kids. Uh, most of our work was on weekends, taking mm-hmm. kids out on picnics or doing fun things with the kids. Uh, but as we started spending more time with the children, uh, we realized that uh, what they craved for more than anything else was to be seen and heard, was mm-hmm. not to be, not to feel invisible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and both cancer and HIV at that time had strong stigmas around Correct. them. Uh, so a lot of people would come and donate to the cause, uh, but no one would actually spend time with the kids. Mm. And the kids always felt uh, uh, almost invisible and uh, disregarded. Uh, but with us, because we were spending time with the kids, uh, the kids felt safe, they felt seen and heard, they felt mm. respected, and they got a sense of self-dignity. Mm. Uh, so that's how the journey started of working with children. I didn't choose to work with children. I think yeah. The children chose to find me. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, yeah. So that's really where the journey started. Of Amazing. Amazing. And, uh, you know, you did mention one of the challenges children face is that they want to be seen and heard. But what are some of the other challenges children and young people face that you are addressing? Sure. Uh, so we work primarily with children who come from vulnerable backgrounds. Mm. And we define vulnerability as children who face any kind of adverse circumstances in their childhood. Mm. 
this could be lack of food or nutrition, it could be neglect, it could be lack of emotional love and care. In extreme cases, it could be displacement, abuse, violence. Mm -hmm. uh, now, what we learned in the early years is that when children experience one or more of these adverse circumstances, mm -hmm. uh, it impacts their ability to achieve developmental milestones. Mm -hmm. and a simple way to understand that is that if there's an infant at your home, the infant is not going to suddenly jump up and start running. Correct. They're going to learn to sit up, they learn to crawl, learn to stand, learn to walk, learn to run. Now, each of those are called developmental milestones mm -hmm. that happen at the right time. Mm -hmm. But when you face adversity, you mm -hmm. miss those milestones. And not just physical, but also mm -hmm. mental and emotional milestones. Mm -hmm. So our ability to, for example, understand and respond with emotions our ability to recognize emotions, our ability to build healthy relationships, these get impacted. Mm. And these missing of the developmental milestones leads to what we call stunting or failure to thrive, mm. which means that children are not growing age appropriately. Correct. And another simple way to understand that would be that, you know, when we started working in care homes, which had largely abandoned or orphaned kids, when we walk into a care home for the first time, these kids come running up to you and they mm. jump on you and they hug you and they pull tug at your shirt and ask you who you are and where you're taking them. They show a lot of love mm. and you feel this is amazing. These kids are so lovely and friendly. And, uh, but if I came to your house for the first time and if you had, say, a nine, ten-year-old kid, that kid is not going to come running up to me. Right. They're going to hide behind you, peek out, uh, look at me suspiciously. Mm. And only when they get an indication from you that it's safe to say hello, come forward and say hello, they'll say hello and run away. Mm. Now, that's healthy behavior you want in every child. Right. Now, kids in care homes, because they have had experienced neglect or abandonment or being orphaned, mm. uh, it has led to their inability to build healthy relationships. Mm. So they form relationships very quickly. If that continues, imagine then at the age of 18, 19, 20, they mm. end up in the wrong kind of relationships. Right. It can be abusive mm. or violent. Uh, so if you do not address the impact of adverse circumstances and failure to thrive in children, mm. it leads to children being dysfunctional as adults. Mm. Uh, so that at the core is the challenge that we're trying to address. Amazing. Thank you. What a great response. And uh, Vishal, what inspired you to take a creative life skills approach? You know, I've spoken to many people, you know, they work on food, they work on education. I was fascinated when I read that you take a creative life skills approach. Help me understand this. Sure. Uh, so again, in the in the early years, you know, when, when we were working with kids uh, from different backgrounds, mm. uh, let's take an example of kids in care homes. Uh, they get the basics met, food, clothing, shelter, access to education. Uh, and then we started understanding what happens to these kids when they grow up. Mm. And as for the law, at the age of 18, kids in care homes are expected to leave the care home and become independent. Mm. So we started asking the care homes, okay, so what do you think happens to these kids after they leave the care home? Uh, most care homes don't track. Even when they were tracking, they suspected that these kids go back to the streets in a year or two. 
and we we were worried about that you know we've taken care of them for 10 years sometimes 15 years and then you let them go and they're back on the streets so what is missing uh and what we realized is that beyond the basics what these kids needed was a set of life skills mm. and life skills can be defined as any kind of positive adaptive behaviors and capacities that help an individual deal with challenges of daily living right all of us use life skills on a daily basis right even the choice of say what we wear in the morning is a life skill mm. so choice making decision making managing conflict Uh, having relationships empathy self awareness all different kinds of life skills and these skills were missing those life skills mm. so when they went out into the world mm. because of the lack of life skills they couldn't cope and integrate into the world mm. and then they went back to their familiarity and comfort zone which was the streets and many a times more damaged than before wow mm. right uh now the word creative life skills uh, really came in saying okay now how do how do how does one develop these life skills if i bring a kids into a room you know and make them sit on chairs and tables and say okay today i'm going to teach you how to take decisions in life mm. no one's going to listen to me beyond 5 minutes and nothing's going to stick correct so what we learned uh, over a period of time is that one of the most powerful ways to develop life skills is when we have transformative life experiences mm-hmm. now if i ask you to go back into your own childhood and think of maybe two or three experiences that were transformative for you mm. uh, you will immediately know which which experiences you're thinking about because mm. we don't have too many of them we have three or four of them Mm-hmm. and these are typically either a powerful interaction with a teacher or something that happened on the sports field or something that happened in a club that you were part of or in theater or in debate or essay whatever you were part of or something that happened when you went on a trip with with your friends and classmates an experience that stays with you beyond the mind an mm-hmm. experience that becomes a memory also in your heart and body right is a transformative experience even now when you're thinking of that experience mm. something shifts in your body mm. you get shivers or you get butterflies or you get right. a smile on your face right mm. so that was the idea that how do we create transformative experiences that stick which lead to children developing life skills which they can use later on in life wherever mm. life throws challenges at them phenomenal thank you my next question is that uh, you know you've told me about how you are able to support them to develop some life skills how do you engage with children and young people that that you work with to understand their unique needs and tailor your programs to suit them sure uh, so today we have a few different strategies uh, uh, in bangalore we work with about 10000 young people directly mm-hmm. uh about 5000 of them in schools so these are the charitable schools or government schools mm-hmm. where we run an after school life skills program using mm-hmm. sports and art as a medium to develop life skills so these are typical once a week two hour sessions where we have mm-hmm. trained facilitators who use sport and art yeah Uh, for adolescents from the age of 14 onwards uh, we have two youth centers mm. uh, where the idea is when a young person walks in we don't give them a one size fits all program mm. we spend time with the young person understand what are their challenges what are they struggling with what do they need 
and then create a journey with them which would last from anything from 3 to 7 years it's mm. highly customized personalized journey okay uh, and they can come in walk into the center and just hang out if they want you know play some board games or watch a movie or mm. use the computer or they can join a special program it could be on financial literacy communication skills mm. or specialized vocational skills like painting or beautician mm. uh, or robotics so it's a highly customized journey that we create for young people mm. so this is this is what we call our innovation labs amazing this is where we pick up our insights on what young people need what's working what's not working what pedagogical approaches can be introduced mm. these are then translated into codified uh, programs mm-hmm. either as curriculums or training approaches or pedagogical approaches that we take into the school system mm. so the way we do that is uh, we work in partnership with state governments and today we work with what six state governments where we help them introduce new life skills focused curriculums like mm-hmm. in delhi and uttarakhand we have worked with other knowledge partners in the government and introduced a happiness curriculum which is mm-hmm. focused on well-being of children using mm-hmm. a life skills approach in jharkhand it's a whole child uh, approach where we work with a set of schools government schools in partnership with the government on designing and delivering a whole child approach to education mm-hmm. Uh, which includes academics but also includes life skills it includes mental health it includes well-being uh, in telangana for example we work with the social and tribal welfare department which runs residential schools mm-hmm. there are focuses on designing helping them design a curriculum that's focused on self identity and dignity mm-hmm. uh, for tribal kids yes. uh, so these are different approaches so our innovation labs help us get the insights these insights are then codified and translated into specialized programs mm. that we do in partnership with state governments amazing and uh, given the amount of work that you're doing to impart life skills are you also tracking some of the people who are graduating from your program if i can use that term sure uh, and if yes uh, can you give me one or two examples without any names of course Uh, sure absolutely uh, so uh, in terms of just tracking our impact there are multiple things that we track uh, one is just levels of attendance engagement uh, second is over a mid term over a period of time that the young person is in our program we track their development of life skills mm-hmm. so we have actually worked with child psychologists clinical psychologists and developed a life skills assessment scale mm-hmm. which is one of its kind the first of its kind published validated scale to measure mm. improvement in life skills for children from vulnerable backgrounds uh, so this helps us track each child's growth on life skills mm. uh, and then in the long term we tra- we track young people through an alumni network so in mm-hmm. our direct programs in bangalore over the last 10 odd years we've been tracking over 17000 uh, young people mm-hmm. uh, in what they're doing with life and mm. what we're looking for is are young people who are coming into our program graduating out of our program thriving in life mm. and we define thriving much more broadly than uh, say just academic success or getting a job and getting a financial income we track thriving as something that's do i have access to support systems do i have healthy relationships around me do I have uh, do I have access to safe spaces to live uh, do I have access to the job market do I have access to learning opportunities how am i giving back to my community 
do I think about my community mm-hmm. and you know how do I design my life around my community uh, so whole set of factors that help us understand how a young person is thriving mm-hmm. and how a young person is thriving will finally be defined by them mm-hmm. so it's not necessarily that a young person might have come out of say financial poverty but if they have a good quality of life around them mm-hmm. they might say they are thriving Mm. and getting out of financial poverty might take a few more years for them mm. right because they they growing up in very complex adversities correct so that's how we track and then in the government know. partnerships that we do uh, the tracking is usually done over a period of time on how the well-being of children has improved how the life skills of children has improved and mm. the kind of choices children are making as they're stepping out of school mm. and do you also uh, track uh, or then uh, ensure that the sustainability of the work that you are doing is really creating a long term impact so do you keep uh, an association with each one of these individuals over a period of time we try to uh, mm-hmm. it's not always easy to track them once right. they graduate out of a program because mm-hmm. they change addresses they change numbers uh, but like i said that we've been tracking about 17000 graduates over the last 10 years mm-hmm. uh, and we track them through quarterly calls mm-hmm. and then alumni engagement programs uh, and through research studies that we do so, mm-hmm. you know, so one of the things that we've been researching over the last 7 8 years is the whole idea of thriving Mm. Uh, and this is research through ethnographic studies it's research through stories of change of young people mm. it's now research you know, we're doing a massive long term research study on what does thriving mean for each of the young people that are graduating uh, mm. from our programs what does thriving mean for young people in a public education system uh, and with this we're working with international agencies universities in partnership to understand this idea of thriving so there's a lot of research that happens in right. the background to right. track the long term impact on these kids and one of the reasons this is important for us is so that we can feed this research back into the sector right uh, so that other organizations could also take this research and redesign or further strengthen their programming around the idea of thriving for every mm, child mm, mm. christine the other aspect vishal i have often wondered is that for all children parents society elders and culture plays a very major role yeah. i wanted to ask you what are your perspectives on how do you engage the local community especially when you are working with their children yeah that's a great question ashutosh uh, again one of the insights we had is that for every child having at least one powerful adult relationship is a game changer right that could be either a teacher or an older sibling or a parent or someone in the community that they look up to mm-hmm. uh, so our efforts have been focused on uh, because we work in public education systems around how do we transform teachers mm-hmm. uh, so big part of our work today is in working with teachers we have now in the last 10 years alone worked with about 45000 odd teachers across india mm-hmm. uh, on how to help teachers recognize their own sense of kindness and empty and how do ch- teachers unlock their creativity in the mm-hmm. way they engage with children in their classrooms uh, so we have a pedagogical approach and a training designed to help teachers unlock that creativity and unlock that empathy mm-hmm. 
In terms of parents, a big part of our work actually happened through COVID and now post-COVID when parents did become the primary uh, teachers for for their uh, for their kids in at homes. Right. Uh, so this has been a bit of working with governments using technology, using you know, WhatsApp, using Facebook, using YouTube. Uh, so in many of the states we work with, we work with the government on helping develop uh, short activities that can be sent to parents that they can use with their own children at home, but also with children in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our own thriving program in Bangalore, uh, when we work with schools, we engage the larger community around the school from where the kids come. Mm-hmm. So through parent-teacher meetings, through specific programs for parents, through parents undergoing uh, certain specialized life skills programs, so that parents can recognize the power that they have in shaping their children. Mm, very interesting. So we shall have time for two more questions for you. My next question is that are there any specific policy level changes that you believe are necessary to better support children and young people from vulnerable backgrounds? Oh, absolutely. I think uh, one of the things we've been driving towards in our advocacy efforts is uh, really t- redefining the core purpose of education. You know, education over the years uh, has become highly standardized, one size fits all, uh, focused on academic success Mm. and attainment of uh, financial freedom. Uh, Education for the poor has actually become highly reductionist, Mm. which has become that as long as at least the poor kids get numeracy and literacy skills, we're fine. Mm. Imagine a kid studying in school for 13, 14 years and coming out with bare minimum literacy and numeracy skills. That's not going to help the kid to truly thrive uh, in in the world. Uh, So education today is failing 80% of our kids, irrespective of the backgrounds they come from. Mm. And the only way to ensure that education starts working for every child Mm. is to redefine the core purpose of education to the idea of thriving. Right. And at the core of thriving is this idea of helping every child learn to own their own story, mm-hmm. whether they come from backgrounds of abuse or violence or poverty or displacement or abandonment. How can they learn to own that story, but not necessarily have that story define their future? Mm-hmm how they can learn to use that story to define a whole different future for themselves. So then ideas of well-being, ideas Mm. of having capacities and life skills, ideas for social, emotional learning, uh, focusing on mental health, those become core ideas that we need to integrate into education. Ideas of equity and dignity and inclusion. How do we demonstrate these to children in school as they're growing up? So they grow up to be fully functional adults who can actually not just do well for themselves, but also help shape a better society. Fascinating. Right? Fascinating. Thank you. Great response. And my last question to you, Vishal, and this is that, you know, given all the work that you've done with so many children, can you share a memorable moment or an experience that you've had working with these children uh, or young people? Yeah, so many of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, one of one of the ones uh, that I really like sharing is you know, I was working with this young man who was 10 years old. Uh, he was in a residential school that we used to partner with and uh, we started a field hockey program. Mm-hmm. So a whole bunch of kids, including him, joined the program. 
he was doing reasonably okay but uh, uh, he had he had a violent streak so every time he got into a conflict he used to start fighting with other kids and once he got so angry that he used the hockey stick to hit another kid mm. and break his head uh, so we were very young in our own understanding we didn't know what to do but we had an empathetic coach mm. and he said no point taking him out of the program that's not going to solve the problem uh he will have to take accountability for his actions so the coach said he'll get 30 minutes of extra practice every day mm-hmm. and in those 30 minutes the coach used to give him 25 30 balls and said hit them as hard as you can mm-hmm. but each ball has to go inside the goal post okay now what the coach knew which we didn't know then was that uh, he had found a way to channelize his anger into the sport mm-hmm. and within about 6 to 8 months he became the best hockey player that we had in the team wow Uh, a year later he disappeared from school mm-hmm. and the school didn't know where he went we didn't know where he went we found that he lives in this particular neighborhood in bangalore mm-hmm. so me and a volunteer then on a sunday morning decided to go find him after searching for about 4 5 hours in that community we managed to see him uh, but what was amazing about that moment was that when he saw us he was in shock he did not believe that anyone cared enough to come looking for him wow and he had of course been beaten up by his father and i told to drop out of school and go to work uh, but in that moment when he saw someone actually come looking for him he decided that he's going to go back to school and finish school he made a commitment to himself uh, so he went back to school finished school finished college he's 30 years old now he's married has a kid of his own he joined us as a life skills facilitator when he turned 18 today he's a filmmaker photographer communication specialist but i remember when he worked as a facilitator with us one evening he came back from his session with the kids and said you know i've realized something today and i want to share it with you mm-hmm. he said when i was a kid i used to wait for the time when i'll grow up and become big and strong mm-hmm. so that if my father tried to hit me or my brother or my mother i could stand up to him uh but today i realize that i'm actually not angry with my dad mm. uh that the kind of opportunities and relationships that i got maybe my father didn't have as a child which is why he became who he is so i feel empathy for him today i understand him much better today now for me that is truly a representation of our work right? that's what we're really trying to do that you know young people grow up to become good human beings absolutely what a powerful story I sincerely hope one day you will write a book with all the experiences you've had because these are such powerful stories that will educate people but on that note Vishal thank you so much for talking to me about your own journey what got you started in uh, the social sector thank you for talking to me about dream a dream and about all the amazing initiatives that you've had and you're taking for uh, young people for children thank you also for sharing with me at such length about some of your plans and about all the great work that you and uh, your team and volunteers are doing thank you for speaking to me and good luck to you thank you ashutosh it's a pleasure here being here and thank you for your thoughtful questions thank you for listening to the brand called you video cast and podcast a platform that brings you knowledge experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. 
just search for the brand called you